Welcome back to the IPM on the Fly podcast, where we talk to experts about a wide variety of topics in integrated pest management. This series is brought to you from the University of Georgia Extension IPM program with funding from the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture. Thanks for tuning in. We're your hosts, Emily and Michelle. In this episode, we talked with Dan Suter, an entomologist with the University of Georgia that specializes in structural pest management. And we learned from him the most common insects folks start to see coming into their homes as the weather begins to cool. Dan drops some fantastic knowledge on us for pest proofing our homes. So sit tight because you won't want to miss this info. So first of all, I've been here 21 years. Can you believe that? So I uh, came from Purdue University. I was there for five years and uh, went to UF before that. Was your position the same? Kind of. Purdue's entomology department has a very strong urban entomology background. NC State and in Purdue are kind of the, the icons of urban entomology. That's where it all started. So I worked as a director of something called an industrial affiliates program. So I worked with big manufacturers and did research on roaches and ants and, and that kind of thing. So it was, it was completely different than what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. So, so creepy crawlies are going to start to come inside. I mean, yeah, fall bugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They what, want what, in what our house. What are the top fall bugs that you get calls or emails from people in Georgia? Number one's got to be ladybugs. Right, so but they're so, so a, cute. Oh yeah, and they're they're highly beneficial. Ladybugs are highly beneficial, but the ladybug that comes in homes is actually from Asia, so it was actually imported into the states as a natural enemy because it eats its weight. If you ever been in your garden and seen ladybugs eat aphids, mm-hmm. they're like cows feeding on grass. They just they just eat everything, and they're really good natural enemies in your garden. So you don't want to get rid of ladybugs in your garden. But the problem is in the fall when our temperatures start to cool around October, November, and the day length changes, a lot of it has to do with day length, not so much temperature. So a lot of these critters, as the day day length starts changing, it triggers these critters that, you know, temperature's about to get low, you better do something or you're gonna die of exposure. So they start moving indoors and in nature, that's what they do, they overwinter in caves. So we are just, your house is just a cave. And so it's, it's ladybugs, brown marmorated stink bugs, mm-hmm. kudzu bugs. Remember kudzu bugs from yes. several years ago? I saw some kudzu bugs this morning, but they're not as bad, nearly as bad as they used to be. Those three, Argentine ants actually will do that as well. So Argentine ants are, of course, from Argentina. In Georgia, we know those as sugar ants. Georgians call them piss ants as well. Can we, can we say that? <laughs> sure. sure. That, we can that, say whatever that, you want to say. Okay. Uh, so the Argentine ants, when these populations get enormous, the, these Argentine ants, there'll be a million of them in a colony, right? And they'll take up 10 different properties. So when the temperature start to decline, that colony's been growing all year. And so when the temperature starts to change, day length changes, they start looking for places to survive inside. So they move inside. And you get major problems in, with Argentine ants on the inside. <clears throat> Windex, is this an old wives' tale or is this effective? If you have a trail of ants, you, yeah. can, you can squirt some Windex or 409 or something like that. And what it does is it, if you, when you wipe it up and you kill the ants, uh, you're, you're taking away their pheromone trail. Yeah. Everybody has seen ants show that big trail that goes up and down a tree. They are following a chemical trail that's telling all the other ants there's food at the end of this trail. And so as they 
as they trail, they lay down with their butt. They spray the trail uh, that tells other ants, follow this pheromone trail. Mm -hmm. So as, as you spray that, you kind of wipe that up and okay. it, it disturbs their, their foraging. But it won't necessarily keep them from coming back. No, it's not going to keep them from coming back. What are back. they coming for? Is it for, I mean, I always thought sugar uh -huh. ants are coming for anything oh, for yeah. food. Yeah, yeah, dog food on the inside, uh, syrup that you spilled that morning with your pancakes, a little bit of Coca-Cola, any, any sugary drink like that they're coming after. Okay, so you've said ladybugs, brown marmorated stink bugs, yeah. kudzu bugs, <clears throat> Argentine ants. Cockroaches. Cockroaches. Oh, oh yeah. So the, uh. listen to Michelle over there. <laughs> Is that your favorite, Michelle? Mm-hmm. That's my favorite. <laughs> so the one we deal with mostly in Georgia, in the southeast, is something called a smoky brown cockroach. And uh, What makes it special? Uh, it's just gross. <laughs> <laughs> They're all gross. Our roach is gross. A uh, uh, little secret here. Dan has a phobia of cockroaches. <laughs> You're talking about yourself Myself. in the third person. Yes, okay. I am. Just making sure. That guy. You. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Dan. But Dan has a phobia of roaches. So I grew up in Florida, and they used to line up at my window <gasps> to get inside. I'm not kidding. I used to see a line of roaches lined up. There's a crack in my window. And then I ended up working on them for my PhD. The one we have here in Georgia is called a smoky brown cockroach, but they're related. They look, you know what a roach, you, you look at it and you go to step on it and it runs and they run hundred miles an hour. Mm -hmm. So as it turns out, this is some, some really neat work that was done years ago, that they have these little things on the back called Circe on, the, on their butt. Mm -hmm. They can detect displacement of air wow. from your foot. So you are displacing air. When you go to hit them with a fly swat or something, they run before you get there. It's because their Cersei have said, there's air displacement, I need to run. It's not that they see you, it's that you're displacing air and they, and they take off running. But the original question was here was about uh, smoky brown roaches. They're from Japan and they came into the southeastern US a long time ago, but the populations in the springtime are pretty small. The roaches are small, and then they, throughout the summer, they develop, and then coming into the fall, we've got, uh, they've been living in your house the whole time, but you've got big roaches at that point, and they start, uh, you just start seeing them more. But the ones that are outside will come inside. They come, you get in your wall voids, they get in your attic, that kind of thing. They're gross. They're just, big roaches are gross. Yeah, I just recently recognized these little bugs that I've been squishing Yeah. are the juvenile form of oh, cockroaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, First instars, they, they look completely different than the adult. The first instars, maybe they're an almost eighth, cute. An eighth of an inch. They are. They, my Kinda wife cute. would say they're cute, and uh, they have white antennae, and they have they put their butt up in the air when they walk. Yeah. And uh, cute. But they, that turns into this hideous two-inch, big old cockroach. Right. So they're all coming in for the same reason. Yeah, to survive the winter. To survive the winter. Yeah, and uh, you'll have some natural mortality. They'll die off just because. A roach is pretty amazing because it lives probably uh, a year. It's a really long-lived insect. They're, they're pretty neat. And then there's uh, the German roach that lives in kitchens. That's a completely different critter. So why do they need to come inside? Because I'm, I'm reading that they survive without food for three months, water for a month. Yeah. A nuclear bomb could go <laughs> off. You can't yeah. kill them. So why do they need to be in my house? So it's all about moisture. Getting back to the smoky brown cockroach, a real big one that's two inches long that's from Japan. It is smoky brown color. It's all chestnut color. It's just all one color. But they lose water real easily from their body. 
So they have to find, they have to live in places where the moisture and humidity is high, right? So if they live in a, if you live in an environment where the humidity is real high, you're, you'd, through osmosis, you're not losing water through your body. So if you live in an area that's 10% humidity, you're losing a lot of moisture. If you live in an area that's 90% humidity, the water stays in your body. So that's like an attic. So think of an attic or a, a wall void. I saw this in my own house a couple years ago. We moved in, we bought that house. We bought it from the guy and he said, oh yeah, everyone saw I see one of those roach bugs. And so we were renovating a bathroom and I got a, a, a step stool and, and got up and pulled the drywall down and this wave of cockroach crap came oh. down. It was, I swear to God, it was, it was a half an inch thick. And you didn't just burn your house was. down? I, I knew what it was. <sighs> and what, as it turned out, we had a couple pipes that penetrated the attic where moisture had gotten around those pipes and the attic was like a sauna. That is perfect habitat for cockroaches. So you fix those leaks and the roaches go away. But it's all, it's all about moisture. Mm. But getting back to why they can live so long. So roaches are, there's about 5,000 species of cockroaches worldwide that we know of. There are probably that many undescribed species or undiscovered species in, in some of the tropical habitats of the world. But roaches are unlike any other critter that we know of. Most insects excrete, we'll get a little technical here, but this is really interesting. So insects take in more nitrogen than they can use. So they have to get rid of it, and they get rid of it in, in something called uric acid. So that's, they, they, their excess nitrogen comes out as poop, as uric acid. You ever seen a white, the white stuff of bird poop? Mm-hmm. That's uric acid. So cockroaches don't do that. If you're a cockroach and you're living in a, a rainforest somewhere and you don't know where your next nitrogen meal's coming from, where the next dead bat's gonna fall on the forest floor or whatever you're gonna get nitrogen, it may be months before you get nitrogen again. So you can't afford to get rid of excess nitrogen. So you store it. You store it in your fat body. So if you've ever stepped on a roach and the white stuff that comes out. Is uric acid? Uric acid. That's why a cockroach can go three months without eating. They can only go 10 days without water, mm-hmm. but they can go three months without eating. And that's because when they're being, when they've got that nitrogen, that uric acid in their body, they can use it as, as a nitrogen source. They have a bacteria that's found only in a cockroach. Nowhere else on the globe is it found. It's found only in a cockroach gut and it breaks down that uric acid into usable nitrogen. It's a really cool system. That is fascinating. Roaches are really cool. Uh, National Geographic had an article they published several years ago. I'd love to find it. It was on uh, it was on cockroaches. And there are some cockroaches that are as beautiful as any butterfly you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I know that you're going to find that hard to believe. We only have about 10 or 12 species that are pests in the in the U.S. of 5,000 species. There are some really cool cockroaches out there. I, that, that's okay. a weird thing to say, but uh, it's coming from an entomologist. No, right? I... I I will look it up. We'll trust See if you can find we'll it. If you find it, you on that. You find it. I want a copy of it. So now it's colder, and there are definitely things coming inside the house. There's mm. droppings of all shapes and sizes. Oh yeah. Cockroach poop. Yeah, it has a particular smell to it. Oh, I'm not gonna smell it. <laughs> I just won't. In fact, when a county agent sends me something that I get, I get samples from county agents all the time, and Michelle's laughing over here because she knows. <laughs> She knows what you get. And I will get samples that are clearly, people send me 
poop. Oh. Right? Yeah. You we get, get it. We get poop in the mail. I'm like, they want to know what what it's from. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I do is I open the bag and I, I smell it. You want to be on the record saying that? Uh, I do not. <laughs> hey. Okay. I put it in an entomologist's mailbox. Okay. So in graduate school, you, you learn. Hey, you got to use all your senses, right? So um, they have a peculiar smell. I don't know where we're going. What is it like? And how can we? You can't. It's bittersweet. Okay. It's, uh, but I can. I can. We can go into restaurants, and I will turn around. I'll say we, we probably should go someplace. We else. should no, go eat with him. I need to know what it smells like. <laughs> Maybe I do need to start sniffing. I have. So most entomologists can, at least urban entomologists, know. There's that. But you walk through the door, and you you. Mm. It's either you can smell rodents or you can smell cockroaches. Oh my oh. goodness. So, so I, I guess, do you guys else. eat out a lot? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's a good place to serve. Oh, okay, good. But the size of cockroach poop, like what would I be looking for? <clears throat> Sometimes it's watery, and it just leaves a streak on the wall. Yep, I've seen that. Right? Or sometimes, it depends on what they're eating, it'll be more pellety. Mm. And it it's, looks uh, like a teeny tiny poppy seed? Yeah, something okay. like that. Because my like husband a, and I did get in an argument, and he was saying that's the everything bagels that I'm opening. Because I was like, no, that's cockroach poop. Send and he was us like, a no, picture, that's okay. <laughs> it's probably, it's usually black. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say. But a lot of these smoky brown roaches, depending on what they're eating, you've seen the streaks. Yep. Right? They just, they poop on the wall and then they drag their butt, and you can get this teardrop shaped streak. And, and it, it has that smell. Mm -hmm. It doesn't smell like. Poop. Poop. It smells like cockroach poop. Bittersweet. It smells like cockroaches. Mm. Okay. So I did read, is it true, true or false, that cockroaches fear citrus? I think where that comes from, Michelle, is that um, the essential oils in citrus, citronella, mm -hmm. is probably repellent. Repellent. So they don't fear it, but we've done a lot of work on um, like things like spearmint and <clears throat> peppermint and rosemary and all those things are highly repellent to ants. We had a large cockroach incident in the office. Unnamed person, large cockroach. You put some citronella out? Mm -hmm. That's smell like a big orange peel? <sighs> it was... <laughs> it probably drove them out. Quite odorous. <laughs> it drove them across yeah. the hallway, probably. What's the best way? Baits. Baits. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so we're not going to be them. spraying our house. We yeah. just need to no, bait them. No, there's no need to spray. These roaches are, they're starved. These big roaches, again, getting back to the big smoky brown roaches, they're basically starved to death. They're not starved to death, but they're, when you see them out at nighttime, they're looking for something to eat. Mm -hmm. Or drink, I mean water. Or drink, yeah. So if they run across something like a bait, any of the granular baits that you can get, or any of the gel baits you can get at any big box store, if you put it out where they find it, they're gonna eat it and it's gonna kill them. They're, they're so starved that, I tell this story, but years ago at Purdue, we would do American cockroach research in sewers. But you have to go out at night. Roaches are active at nighttime. So, <laughs> so the sewer manhole would be there. We'd be counting roaches or doing whatever we were doing. These, you'd see the, the holes in the sewer manhole. The antennae would come out. And about 10 minutes later, there'd be 50 roaches out on the sewer wow. manhole. And a car would come by and run over a bunch of the roaches. And uh, the roaches would come out of the manhole and they would start cannibalizing the oh roaches. They're so starved. Oh They're looking gosh. for something to eat so much. And of course, they go for the uric acid. They go for the white uric mm -hmm. acid. They eat, they eat the guts, and they're eating preferentially the, the uric acid. So what I'm getting at here is that 
any bait that you put out for one of these roaches is going to work. You just put it where you see them, wherever you've seen them. If you can get a granular bait, it's better. These things are, are people worry about is it going to hurt my, my pet or my, my kids or whatever. By the way, people are generally more concerned about their pets than their children when it comes to these <laughs> kinds of things. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Where are my dog? <laughs> but if you put these granules out, they're usually, the concentration of active ingredient is way less than 0.1%. So you would put the baits indoors and the granules outdoors? Well, you, you can do both. You have a granular bait and a gel bait. Oh, I see. So a bait can take a form of a granule, small granule, or a gel. Okay. And those roaches will eat either one of those things. Okay. And then they have the ones that look like hockey pucks. Yes. Those don't work because the roaches are so big they can't get their head inside the thing. Oh. If you've ever looked at one of these things, mm -hmm. the opening is like a quarter of an inch by a quarter of an inch. Well, this roach is a half an inch wide. They literally can't get in the thing. Mm. Okay. It, that works against the small roaches that you find in kitchens, the German and cockroaches, which don't come inside because they're always inside. <laughs> At what point would we think, okay, my house is infested? You know, if you live in, in the south, in the southeast, and you have an older house, you're going to have smoky brown roaches. An older house that's got some nooks and crannies, got some character to it, that lives in a uh, kind of an environment or a neighborhood that's dominated by big hardwood trees. Mm -hmm. They love hardwood trees, by the way. You get a knot hole, and they live in hardwood. So they mm -hmm. come in, they're coming from there, and they're coming into the house, but they're also living in the house. The one you got to worry about is the German roach. If you get German roaches, you better solve that problem because they can get out of hand pretty quickly. That's the one that lives in your kitchen. The little okay. one where you turn on the light and they all scatter, yes. that's a German cockroach. If you don't address that problem, you'll wish you had. Does that need to be addressed through a pest control company or is that something that you can do as a homeowner you yourself? Can try your, yeah, you can try yourself. The product selection in the over-the-counter market or access to products by homeowners, it's, the line has been blurred in terms of what a homeowner can get and what the professional uses. The homeowner can get professional products. There's some really good gel baits that a homeowner can get access to. But when you hire a pest control company, you're hiring their know-how, mm -hmm. right? So um, whereas a pest control operator would put a bait, you know, the little hockey puck bait stations in the correct place, a homeowner might put them in the wrong place. So you're, you're basically hiring somebody that knows what they're doing. Can you give away that secret? Well, don't put them high. <clears throat> okay. Put them in drawers. Put them behind the refrigerator. Put them beside the garbage can. Roaches like to follow edges. So you want to put them hidden behind the, the toaster oven, underneath the toaster oven. Roaches will live in your toaster oven. Oh, Yikes. gosh. Um, and so, so you, you want to think like a roach. Think like a roach. Put these things against the, the backsplash, mm -hmm. maybe in the corners, behind the garbage can, yeah, underneath the refrigerator. That kind of thing. So are you safe in your bed? Huh? I read that they like ears. I mean, are they going to try to climb in your bed? We're talking about kitchens and water and places, but, you know. Your ears moist. Yeah. They're, moist, warm place. This is kind of gross, but the ro German roach, and once they get in, you can't pull them out because mm -hmm. they have all these spines mm -hmm. on their body. If you pull them out, you'll leave parts of the roach. Oh, no. There have been this cases of uh, them chewing the eyelashes off of children mm -hmm. at nighttime. Yeah. So is it better to have us thinking, okay, so do you want to have a, you know, these are, a bed frame? Do you want to have your mattress in the middle of the room? Well, the, I mean, you know. These are situations where the roach problems have gotten clearly out of control. Okay. Mm. And it's typically in a... In a bad housing, situation. So it's yeah, not really like a normal house without no. any... Okay. No, you're going to... And it's just people don't have the means to 
try to control them. Maybe their landlord's not on the ball or, or whatever yet, and they're moving over from that point. They do use pipes and things like that. They're actually medical pests. German roaches are actually medical pests, second only to house dust mites because of the allergens that they produce in their cast skins mm. and in their feces. I think I've read one time that the leading reason for children visits to emergency rooms is in inner cities is because of cockroach allergies. Oh. All the progress I was making on accepting cockroaches, <laughs> I just ruined it for you. Remember, remember they're beautiful. <laughs> a little okay. bit of trivia here too. People want to know why it's called the German cockroach. Because when it was described, when an insect is given a scientific name, this one is Blattella germanica, somebody literally has to sit down and describe what it looks like, right? To give it its own species name. Mm -hmm. Well, Linnaeus, back in the 1700s, when he described this species, he took it out of a museum in Germany. The cockroach is actually from Southeast Asia. It's actually from oh. Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, that, that part of the world. But there were specimens that were put into a museum in, uh, in Germany. So when Linnaeus was describing this thing, writing the description of the German roach, he said, eh, we'll call it a German roach. Go figure. Trivia. It's a misnomer. Yeah. You can use that at your next cocktail party. <laughs> I will. Uh, actually, there's a lot of cockroach trivia that's going to come up at the next oh, yeah, I bet cocktail party. Oh, yeah. Emily, don't invite her back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, ladybugs, stink bugs, kudzu bugs, Argentine ants, cockroaches. So we've already established they're coming in for the winter. Yep. Do you treat them all the same way as far as how to get, how to get rid, rid of, of them? them? Yes. You know, I always put my money on the bug. <laughs> you probably should have done something in August or September. That's when they start. So at that point, there are companies, pest control companies that will use like a, it's a product called Stuff It. It's steel wool. So you've got to go in around the outside of a structure and look at your attic, look at anywhere with fascia boards that maybe have a gap, you know, where a bug could get up underneath the gap. That's how they get in your attic. That's how they're getting around windows. And people will put this stuff at material, it's steel wool, uh, in areas where to keep insects out. But they, try to go in in August and September and, and start pest proofing your house. And there's not a pesticide involved here. If you wanted to apply a pesticide, it would probably be <clears throat> a couple weeks before bugs start moving in. For instance, here in Georgia, I've been paying attention to this. I always see my first brown marmorated stink bug in the third week of September. I never see them. I never see them at any other time. I'll start seeing them on buildings. No kidding. And it's, it's the past three years have been September 18th and 19th is when I see my first brown marmorated stink bug. So if you're going to do a pesticide treatment, it probably should have been a week or two prior to that. We go around treat areas where this bug may crawl across to get inside, or if you're doing some type of preventative, you know, like the stuff it stuff, the steel wool stuff, that you should start that in August before okay. these bugs start to move. Because once they start to move in, you're not going to keep them out. They can get in really small gaps. And that was the reason why we see them again in the spring is because they're waking up. You'll see these in the fall, mm -hmm. but you'll see ladybugs again uh, as a problem in late February and March because they're waking up and they start flying around inside. And brown marmorated seed bugs do the same thing. They're trying to get outside. They, to them, they've been in a cave all year and they're looking to get outside and start feeding again. Mm. Kudzu bugs the same. So management should have happened August, 
September prevention. Prevention, or if you wanted to spray, you could do that. What's the <coughs> the kind of thing of choice? It doesn't really matter the the active ingredient or the product name, but it should be something that is like a. Um, this will get technical, but it's a something called a micro cap or a wettable powder. Some of these sprays, if you spray it on brick, it literally soaks in, mm. and a day later, mm -hmm. you can't kill a bug that crawls across it because the chemical has actually soaked into the brick. So some of these formulations are um, stay on, on the outside of the brick. So a micro cap is a little capsule. It's a microscopic capsule. You spray it on the brick, it stays out available to the insects. So when they crawl across it, they get it on them and it kills them. So it gives you some residual. So how many of these are more nuisance pests versus That's right. dangerous, like Correct. harmful pests? This is a good point. So they're just a nuisance. Yeah, I don't. I've never had real bad, bad ladybug problems in my house, but I've talked to people who've had, you know, they'll get a 500 of them in a corner somewhere, wow. and they'll have to vacuum them up. Uh, the brown marmorated stink bugs are the same way. We don't see it as bad in Georgia, but you get up along Maryland, Virginia, and I've seen photos and talked to pest control operators up there where the outside of a house, it looks like scales on a fish. Oh, wow. There's so many of them. Oh. There's tens of thousands of them on the outside of a structure, and they're all going inside. And so it's a huge nuisance, mm -hmm. and it smells. I mean, it, it, they start dying. They die. You kill them in a wall. You kill 5,000 of them in a wall, it's going to smell like there's a dead animal on the wall. <laughs> there's that many of them. So it's, and it leads to other bug problems. It's just a, but you're right, it's, it's mainly a nuisance. We want to prevent. Like, that's always the key. That's right. It's always prevention. These are tenets of integrated pest management, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can do something to head it off, to create a condition where that bug doesn't become a nuisance, right? It doesn't become a pest based on your actions prior leading up to that point when they're going to become a pest. The problem with the pest control industry is it's complaint driven, right? Mm. I got kudzu bugs, come and do something about it. I got... Well, you should have done something oh, six months ago. It's reactive. Almost the entire pest control industry is reactive. That's the model. Ag is ahead of that because they do stuff that's more preventative in the IPM, the vein of IPM. You know, you're, you're doing things to, it's a repeat, same bug on the same crop every year, and, and people have gotten PhDs on, on trying to figure out what to do so that bug doesn't become a pest in cotton or blueberries or whatever. So. You're using the bug's biology against it from an IPM perspective. That's what IPM's all about. So, I mean, there are situations, though, there's only so much you can do about <clears throat> moisture, like you're saying. You, Correct. You know, you, your house has these components of, you know, where it is in the landscape mm -hmm. or, yeah. or basement or whatever. Yeah that, yeah, that goes so far. So, what do we say for people that just have higher moisture content? I mean brace yourself or <laughs> you know like the wave is coming yeah <laughs> well for the moisture issues with with cockroaches um, if you do have leaks somewhere in the attic you don't want you don't want water collecting around the structure if you have a, a crawl space crawl space problems water issues and crawl spaces can lead to other things too uh, termites and, and beetles for instance get in the crawl space wood um, a vapor barrier in mm. a crawl space is mm -hmm. a real good idea to dry out your crawl space. If you have uh, water collecting around a structure or in a crawl somewhere, there's ways that you can regrade that to get the water away from the structure. Gutters are real good. Pest control operators will tell you, termite problems are almost exclusive, not exclusively, but 
if you don't get the water away from the structure and you let water fall off the, the eaves straight down and collect around the structure, if you have mulch around the structure, it adds what, what we call conducive conditions. So there are some things that can be done, but you're right. Sometimes it's just, no matter what you do, you can't regrade the water away from the structure. And but that's a good point. You said something about mulch being around the house. Yeah. So I mean, you could kind of clear some leaf litter. Yeah. The stuff that holds moisture around the base keep, of the house. Uh, at my own house, I keep about an 18 inch gap around the structure. Okay. From the wall out to, if we're going to have any plantings or grass or anything, we have about 18 inches of just bare soil. Mm -hmm. People want to know, oftentimes they want to know, does mulch actually attract termites? I had this question the other day from a county agent. This lady next door is freaking out about people bringing mulch in and does it, is it attracting termites? It's not really attracting termites. What mulch does, and mulch is doing its job, it's keeping moisture in the soil. So if you've got X number of inches of mulch, around your plants, it's keeping moisture there in the soil that's already there, whereas 10 feet out in the grass, it's bone dry. Mm -hmm. Well, the plants have got to have moisture. Well, so do the bugs. <laughs> so they move into the areas where the, mul where the mulch is, and they may eat a little bit of it. If it's wood chips, they may eat some of it, but by and large, it's, uh, it's because of the moisture. You're creating a conducive condition around the structure. Okay, so next question. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, what insect would you pick as your favorite that you would maybe get in a box with like Angelina Jolie did <laughs> and pose for a photograph Photoshoot. for maybe yeah covered in your shoot. favorite insect favorite what, insect what would your insect maybe for Mr. May in a calendar well the fav my f the favorite name you don't see these very often but there's a critter called a pup-eyed hopping toad bug Oh, I like Aww. that name. I like it's that name. It's actually pretty cute. It's a cute little thing. It's pop-eyed hopping toad bug. I can't remember what the family is, but they're a, they're, they live on the on beaches and things like that. That's pretty cool. But the critter I'd probably get maybe the most with. attractive one. It'd probably be one of those roaches. Hmm? Some, I'm <laughs> not would, you, would, you would be covered you in get, roaches when for you a photo. Get, when you get that article mm -hmm. from National Geographic, you're going to be blown mm -hmm. away. So we have some issues with bugs coming in. We just know that that's an indicator that it's getting colder, they're looking for shelter. Conducive conditions, yeah. Next year, plan to prevent in August and September, mm -hmm. or once they're already in, try to find some Vacuum ways them. of, yeah, yes, just they're physically in. removing them. Correct, don't spray them, vacuum them. Yeah. No matter what it is, if you've got uh, marmorated stink bugs, ladybugs that kind of thing vacuum them don't 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 spray them because okay. if they do die in a wall that'll lead to another bug problem right and then yeah, hire certainly. somebody if you need somebody if you're you know uncomfortable with it there are lots of good pest control companies out there that you can hire to get somebody to do something for you so dan can you tell us how to find resources <clears throat> through the structural pest management avenue with mm -hmm. the university of georgia so a lot of our publications are at the college's website I think that's caes.uga.edu forward slash publications. Okay. We've got uh, one big bulletin there that covers the top 75 pests in Georgia in the southeast, and we're in the process of updating it. We're going to double the number of insects that we add to that thing. It's got good color images and little briefs about uh, what they look like, some, some things you might confuse it with. And we've got other things in there on, we get samples in sent to us of big spiders and big beetles. People think they're invasive. Mm -hmm. You know, I just got back from Mexico. Did I bring this thing with me? No, you didn't. This thing actually occurs in Georgia. 
So we have those, the big showy things, but then we also have a lot of the pest things. We've got another one on there on insecticide mode of action. We've tried to keep the 50 cent words out of it and tells you how pesticides work. Perfect. At the, you know, how does the pesticide actually kill mm -hmm. the insect? That and we have a website, gabugs.uga.edu. There's some information and then the Center for Urban Ag's website. I would encourage people to go there and look at some of the archives of some of the webinars that we've had in the past. All right. This was fun. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun. I love to have him back. Yeah. We'll have you back. We'll talk about we got a lot spring. to talk about. Yeah. Oh, we're going to do bed bugs. Maybe Gosh. we will oh, focus on bed bugs. We can do oh. bed bugs, termites. Okay. Um, we might have you back a lot, Dan, <laughs> apparently. There's a lot of There's other lot creepy talk crawlies about. that oh, we yeah. need to talk about. All right. Thank you so much. This was... It was fun. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you learned a lot, laughed a little, and we hope to catch you on the fly real soon.